Welcome to Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to episode 9. Today is Wednesday, August 26th in the epic year of 2020. And it's 4.36 p.m. And the kids have ice cream, so I shouldn't be interrupted. And Nathan's home, and they have been strictly instructed to go to Nathan with any crises. So, you know, I've got like a 50% shot here of doing this without interruptions. Actually, they're getting better. I mean, that's like the bright side of the pandemic. I'm getting better at setting boundaries with them, and they're getting better at respecting them. Um, yeah, my knee has a twinge today. I, I, I have, I've never had really serious knee issues. I have a lot of friends who have told me about like knee pain and tight knees and I've never had problems with my knees and then last January of this year um I just one day felt like some like like not full-on pain but like like uh uh-oh like there's something going on with my knee and I had to wear a knee brace for a couple of weeks and it and did a lot of like really deep stretching for my legs and it went away and today, just, like, I can't tell you that I did anything to injure my knee, but I just, I left on my morning walk, and I was able to do a full hour walk, so it's not like it's in a pain zone, it's just like the muscles are tight or something, so I stretched it out, and, you know, man, sometimes you just, being 41, you just gotta take extra care of your body. It's also, uh, speaking of my body, it's day 13 of my cycle, wondering if I'm gonna ovulate, I have to, uh, do the ovulation test every day so that I can then figure out so once I ovulate a week after that I'm doing the hormone test which is like a 24-hour dry urine test which means you have like these strips and you pee on them at certain times and five times throughout this 24-hour period and then you let them dry and then you mail them in so I'm I'm excited to do that but it I'm like well I had that 69 day cycle is my body even ovulating who knows so And you would think it's day 13. I haven't remembered to do the little ovulation test today. So I just, I just peed and went, damn it, I forgot to do it again. So I took it out and put it on the counter and hopefully that will be like a visual reminder and I'll actually do it. Um, I mean, I pee constantly, so it's not going to be an issue. I have many more opportunities before I go to bed. (laughs) So what I really wanted to talk about today though is not my pee. It's about pandemics. Um, I got so grumpy over the weekend. I felt just really drained and nothing in particular, just I think, you know, pandemic fatigue. And I took the kids to a park and Julian was in a vile mood and we were going there to meet friends and he was having his tough day and it was just like, and it had been going on since he woke up. And after a few hours, I was just like, I'm over this and I just felt like snappish and I vented to some friends and um and I snapped at Julian in front of everyone like because he just kept being whiny about everything and it was like you know I don't even want to do it because like if I use the voice I use I just get like my whole body goes into adrenaline mode but it was just like like just knock it off because he didn't want to go to the park 
and Nathan got home from his walk, and I said, Julian, just stay home with Daddy. And he's like, no, I want to go to the park. And it's like, oh, great, you want to go to the park. And then he keeps complaining about everything and flipping out over everything. I was like, dude, I'm going to call Daddy, and he's going to come get you. And then, you know, and it, it was a little more snappish. And my friend Katie just, like, looked me in the eyes and said, this is hard, referring to the pandemic. This is, and then she said it again, this is really hard. And it was just so, I don't even know the word for it. It just was such a relief to have someone say that. And if people have said that to me throughout this experience, all sorts of people, but I just needed to hear it in that moment. And I thought someone out there might be listening to the show and they might need to hear it. So I wanted to just really do an episode about the pandemic and like why it's hard and why it sucks. And, um, you know, I really needed to hear someone say that to me and like unload and like, like validate those feelings. And maybe one of you needs to have that validated for you. Um, and also I think this episode's going to just be helpful for me to just, instead of being like, let's talk about positive mindsets and, um, and, those, you know, and tricks for boosting mental health, all of that is helpful and has a place. But sometimes you just need to step back and be like, wow, we are living through something like epic and difficult and draining and soul crushing. And it's awful and shitty. And I just need to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, I mean, we even like, I don't even want to like get into distance learning today because we're on... Like we had three days last week and now we're on week two and sometimes it's good and I'm like upbeat and sometimes it's just so freaking frustrating with um, the technology and you know, I, I, I'm not even going to go there. That might be a separate episode eventually, but um, my therapist has told me many times since the beginning of the pandemic that she believes this is a traumatic experience like it's a collective trauma and you know I've heard she has told me that many times but I think I had a session with her on Monday and I think that was the first time I like it really like sort of sunk in so it just had to be said to me so many times and it's still something that I can't even wrap my brain around like so she, I love to read so I'm always like looking up books relevant to whatever my wherever my curiosity is leading me so after that session with my therapist I was like "Ooh, I wonder like let me like look up on Amazon books about trauma and if we're living through this traumatic experience maybe I should understand trauma but you know the the books about like what it's like to live through a pandemic have just not been written yet and the books about trauma I'm sure I could read some and actually find some helpful stuff I'm sure I could but um there, it, there's just nothing there's no template out there for us there's no like user's guide to you know emotionally and physically and socially and everything wise surviving a pandemic we're just I mean I know there was that pandemic the 1918 Spanish flu but it was a different world and like now we have social media and we have like the 24-hour news cycle and um you know, just like the internet, like, let's just, there's just like so many different variables to this. So I think it's better that to be 
moving through this pandemic as opposed to that last one, since we know a lot more about, you know, medicine and, um, like, I don't think, like, a vaccine was able to be developed with the Spanish flu. I don't know. I, sh I probably should read up on the Spanish flu. I've thought about that. Um, there was actually a novel that popped up on my radar. I was searching for a book to pick for my book club pick for I have a group of five friends. And there was this like really cool novel that really sounded like my jam, kind of like in like the Isabel Allende mystical tradition. And then as I read the description, I saw that it was about the Spanish flu. And part of me was like, yes, but part of me was just like, oh my gosh, no, like it's too much. Like I need my fiction that I read, anything I read to be like, either something that's helping me, like self-help that's helping me like get through this, or fiction that lets me like just purely escape. And same with TV, like um, not really interested in watching any documentaries about pandemics right now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's good to acknowledge that this is a traumatic experience and um, that we're living through something that's, that's historic and just, it's kind of awkward to be doing this. It feels endless. There are, for me, and I know a lot of people, a lot of ups and downs. And, and it's unpredictable. Like, I never know how long an up's going to last or how long a down's going to last. I never know how high an up will go or how low the down's going to go. And sometimes lately, I wish the downs would actually be more down. So, like, I haven't cried recently. And I'm like, God damn it, I would just like a really good low so I can have, like, a good cry. But it's uh, it's almost like I'm in, like, a numbed shock state because I can't, like, there's just been so much that to absorb more about, you know, the pandemic and now we're in California and there's like wildfires, like historic wildfires in the north. And and they're having trouble fighting them because they actually use prisoners. The vol prisoners volunteer and get paid like $5 a day. But they use prisoners during wildfires in California to like dig ditches and help the firefighters. But all the prisoners have COVID. So they don't have that right now. So they ha they're like down a line of defense. Um, Oh gosh, there's a child peeing and it's, they did not close the bathroom door. So you're all going to, I hope you're not hearing all this on the podcast. Shit's getting really real folks. Oh gosh, there's the flush. I'm going to slam with the toilet. It's, that's pandemic life. I mean, this house, I miss having the house to myself sometimes. Like, you know, there's always people here. We had, I mean, we had those two weeks where the kids were both in camp together, but Nathan was always here. I had one morning where the kids were in camp and Nathan had to actually go somewhere to see something for work and he was gone for a few hours and I had like three hours at the house to myself um, and it was glorious and having that again is so far away. <laughs> like Nathan's not going back to work. It's so far in 2020. So maybe January, unlikely. So, you know, the ups and downs are so unpredictable. It's sort of like, like an almost an emotional whiplash. And it's like over the same thing. Someone's trying to get in here. I told you it was like a 50% shot. I wouldn't be interrupted. Yeah, the, it's like, it sometimes feels like I'm working through the same thing. Like, like, wait, I have more feelings. Wait, we just addressed feelings about the pandemic. There's, there's more. 
and now they're varied, but it's like, yes, like we were addressing feelings about being in a pandemic for four months, but now we have to address feelings about being in a pandemic for five months and adding distance learning back into the equation. It's like, oh, okay, great. Just always, always like a new layer of grief and frustration and um, anger and sadness and loneliness. Um, just so many feelings that just keep surging back. It's, it's, it's just system overload. And there's so much of this that just goes against our humanity, like the isolation. And I'm, I'm seeing people, we're allowed to see people um, outdoors. And, you know, I had my book club last night and only three of the five of us can make it. But that was still just so um, uplifting. And but then, you know, one of my friends mentioned, like, what are we going to do like October, November when it starts to cool down? I was like, we're going to meet earlier because we got to keep book club alive. Book club cannot go away. And we keep seeing friends at the park and we have friends come here to go swimming in our pool. But it's still isolating. Like today, and when Pippa was busy with distance learning, um, Julian starts preschool on Monday in, in person. So excited for that. And I used to be the book fair lady and we're not actually having a book fair this year, but we're a co-op and everyone does volunteer work. So I'm going to just be handling those scholastic flyers that you send home and people order books and the school gets points. And I was like prepping it this morning and it was just delightfully banal. And is that the way to pronounce that word? It was just delightfully normal. Like, yes, this is something I've done many times and this is something I would be doing even if there wasn't a pandemic. And then I had to take them to school and it was awesome. I saw all the teachers, so many who I hadn't seen in person since March. And I, you know, this is going to be my sixth and I can never pronounce sixth. That TH sound just eludes me. Um, the sixth, um, year at this preschool and our last year. And I just, I know these people really well. And the, a lot of them are good friends of mine. Um, and it was just so good to see them in person and be talking and be there, but also weird. And, but just to have, you know, that sort of daily contact used to be part of my lives and part of my life. And I took it so much for granted. And I, re I remember being like, sometimes annoyed, like, like in December, like both kids have a Christmas program and then there's the potlucks and, there's the, and it's so, it was like, oh my God, I felt like overload. And now I'm like, what was I thinking? That was amazing. There was so much human connection and I took it for granted. Um, and I really, I am excited actually for next week. I take Julian to school and I can't, we don't walk into the classrooms, the parents, but we sign them in and we walk them and I'm actually we have orientation tonight. So I'm hoping we actually get out of the car because I'm just excited to see some faces and say hello and just have like just that normal contact of seeing people all the time, every day and not necessarily for an intense amount of time, but just like the regular hellos and like, you know, like one of my friends, um, we both read a lot of the same books. So just talking to her for three minutes and like getting out of the house and just, you know, walking up the hill to preschool. I can't wait to have that. Yeah. The isolation's tough. The grief. I mean, I know people are grieving loved ones who died during the pandemic. Um, but there's also just the grief of the world we've lost and, um, the world that we don't know if it's coming back and everything being yanked away so suddenly. I'm actually going to hit pause on the recording now. So if I sound weird as I come back, I need to go um, address a child, child situation. Okay, I'm back.
Um, Julian was just on his Kindle and he had the door closed, but it was loud. I just kept hearing the clinking and I was like, I can't be talking about pandemic grief and listening to him play like a racing game with all this clinking. So he's been moved to another room and I am here. Yeah. I mean, the grief is just, it's hard to get your mind around it. And also it's like an uncertain grief because you don't actually, I don't actually know everything that I've lost yet. I don't know what is not coming back. I don't know, you know, even just simple things like what restaurants are going to go out of business, what, um, you know, what friends are going to end up moving away because they just like for various reasons can't, you know, it's easier. Cause I, you know, I saw one of my neighbors who, um, she's not like a good friend or anything, but they have one of those storage pods and they've been like moving stuff into it. And I'm like, are they like just love, you know, flying the coop? Are they going to be back in a year? Like, yeah, just weird, weird things. Um, and it's, it's just more grief that it's hard to process. Um, but we also had, um, our neighbor across the street, his son died. I think it was three weeks ago now. Um, it's like a family where the parents and their adult, two of their adult kids lived, were still living at home. And, um, one of them who was, I think in his late twenties, maybe mid twenties, um, died of a drug overdose. And, you know, my heart breaks for them and it's hard to process because this is someone I saw pretty much every day. And he, he always liked to play basketball outside. They have a special hoop for him and he'd play in the street, not a busy street. And, you know, you'd always just see him leaving the house, getting in his car. And we were often like leaving the house at the same time and just waving hello. And, you know, you never looked at him and thought this is someone with like a serious drug addiction. It's not like, you know, in the movies, central casting, the drug addict, he didn't look anything like that. And, um, you know, if you'd asked me, I would have thought, oh, maybe he sometimes smokes pot. And you just have to wonder about all the people suffering from this pandemic and the young people who don't necessarily have the coping skills yet. And I mean, there's grown ass adults who are struggling with this and to be in your twenties or just to be a kid. I mean, so many people are struggling. It's just like this vague cloud of like grief going on and, and weirdness. And, um, I, I, it's, I don't think I've even fully processed the fact that he died. Um, I, I haven't because like one of his brothers who doesn't live at home showed up today and they have like the same height. And as the brother got out of the car, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's him. Oh no. It's his brother. Like I just keep hoping I'll see him shooting hoops, even though he's dead. And I hate to think of it as a pandemic casualty, but I know people who, I know people are using drugs to escape you know, they're bored or they're lonely or they're scared or they're, um, they just fall, you know, like addictions are escalating. Like there's just a lot of unseen costs. So there's like a grief for losses we don't even know about yet. Like, you know, the grief I was feeling in in July, I mean, I've been talking to people about like the hidden costs of the pandemic and how like the invisible people who are suffering and we don't know, you know, the alcoholics who are going to start drinking again, or the drug users who are going to use harder drugs, or the children in, you know, the, the domestic violence that's up. Um, and I did not, I had no idea in July that I was like grieving for my neighbor who was going to die. 
I had no idea when I saw him. I, I either saw him the morning of the, the day he died or the day before. And I had no idea that was the last time I was going to see him. And he just smiled and he waved and it just seemed like his normal happy self. I had no idea that like he would be leaving this life so soon. And okay, now I'm recording again. That was my second pause. You heard like doors and my phone rang. My phone was ringing in another room and Pippa decided this was a crisis and came like barging in here. So I just edited most of that out. This is shit's just real these days. Um, but I want to keep podcasting because it's good for me. Even if I get interrupted, I just like gave her the riot act about because, you know, like you do not come in here. I don't care if the phone is ringing like it's not a freaking national emergency. For God's sakes, it just goes to voicemail. Why? Ugh. It's just like, I guess that she's bored. It's so exciting that the phone rang. Oh my God. Okay, let's move on from grief. So, because if I keep talking about it, there's going to be like, like a bomb's going to explode in here. There was the boredom. Ugh. It's just boring. Um, And I forget that. And I try to be like, grateful and like look we have a pool and we're able to go to the park sometimes and see friends when the weather's not too hot and some you know stores are open like like I can't go to the mall like I try to be grateful and optimistic and glass half full but Jesus Christ it's just freaking boring at this point like so many of the things that make creative variety and made life interesting like you know the school talent show that's was taken away and you know birthday parties and um, just playdates at different locations. We, we, we just keep meeting at the same park. We would usually be going to like, you know, just like even a different park, but most of the parks, you know, all the playgrounds have been closed off in Pasadena. Like they now added like, they went up, they, so they had like yellow tape for several months. And I guess some people were getting tired and letting their kids break the yellow tape and go through. So they just put up chain link fences and it's just like, oh my God, playing. so the boredom, there's a loss of momentum. So when I had postpartum depression and I was hospitalized for four nights and every day there was group therapy and it would be led by a social worker. And I had, I was, my stay was like included being like there over the weekend. So it was like, I never had the same social worker at group therapy. So, um, I had three, there were two different types there's a whole long story about me being in the psych unit. I wrote a whole memoir about it. Um, but I was, for three days, I was in the, um, the, the least secure unit. Like, more people who are depressed and dealing with depression and anxiety, not people who are, like, at high risk. Or, you know, like, when I was, my first night there, people were schizophrenic. Okay, anyway, I'm going down, to, down a different story. So, there were three days of, like, legit social workers coming in and like trying to give us advice and everyone doing talking about what they were doing and what you know what their story was and what they were dealing with and they all talked about momentum it was just like like they could have just tattooed it it was their anthem they should have had like a song with like a dance routine about momentum they all wanted they were always talking about like look if all you do is stay in the chair, it's really hard to get out of the chair. But if you get out of the chair once, getting out of it the next time is easier and you need to build your momentum. And if you start doing little things, it's easier to do medium things. And if you start doing some medium things, you can do bigger and then you could do big things and like you build up your momentum. And 
I kind of remember just like basically rolling my eyes. Like it's really not about momentum folks. But as I recovered and started doing more and more, I was like, oh my gosh, like this momentum shit is really legit because the more I did, the more I wanted to do things and the easier it got to do things. And my fear of doing certain things dropped away, but not even just fear. It's just like, there's all those laws of physics, you know, a mass in motion will keep moving until an external force acts upon it. And uh, I think this is some Isaac Newton shit here. And, um, you know, or you have to have a force if an, a move, if an object is not moving, you have to have an external force act upon it to get it moving. So it's sort of like those first few weeks of the pandemic just sort of sucked away our momentum. Like we were supposed to stay home. We were you know, like I would go to the grocery store once a week and that was my outing. And we would maybe walk around our neighborhood, walk to a park that didn't have playgrounds. There was just this huge loss of momentum. And I think, and I know a lot of friends have told me like they're struggling. It's like just getting one thing off your to-do list just feels really monumental. And I think a lot of that is because our momentum, our regular life momentum was just ripped away from us. I also feel like there's just sensory overload. I've mentioned this like... Like, yeah, it just feels like shock. I mean, I haven't cried in weeks. I haven't cried since my neighbor across the street died. I really wish I could cry, but I think there's just like, almost like a shock point. Like this is more than my brain can process and we're processing it like in like tiny little bits as I, as I try to. And yeah, and the sensory overload for my kids. Like this is like, yeah, this is like not just my problem. It's my kid's problem. Um, it's, you know. Like they're lot, like they don't have the perspective. I mean, Julian's going to be five, and this has been going on five months. When you think about that, like this is a huge percentage of his life has been lived during a pandemic with like sheltering at home, distance learning, school closed, playgrounds gated off. Like remember those? Yeah, he knows he can play on those, but he hasn't been allowed to in five months, and that's a really long time when you're four and three quarters old. Um, there's a helplessness factor, like. Yes, there's things we can do to help ourselves, and I've been doing all these things, but we've got to acknowledge that, like, the pandemic's bigger than any of us. It's bigger than one country, even. It's just, like, it's affected, it's global, and it's like, it's like, holy shit, like, what can I do to help? And, it, you know, like, a lot of, like, times there's a crisis, and you're like, oh, I can donate canned goods here, or I can, you know, donate something to here, but it's like, I, you don't even know what where to begin. It's just overwhelming. There's, like, the loss of control. Um, hello, toilet paper shortages. I mean, like, just that you didn't even know, am I going to be able to get toilet paper at the grocery store this week? Probably not. Or maybe, like, I mean, for a while they were literally selling the one rolls that you would ordinarily, like, the restaurants would get. Like, you would get one roll at a time. And, um, yeah, and yet real life continues. I've had real life problems since, you know, this started, like, um, the skipped period and not knowing what's going on with my hormones. Um, I had like a vaginal irritation situation where I had to go to the doctor and do like a antibiotic regime for that. Like the vagina doesn't just go on holiday when there's a pandemic. It's still, it decided to have its first issue in like seven years. Um, and then Julian had like a mole that the pediatrician looked at and she's like, yeah, I don't like that. Why don't you have the dermatologist check it out? And we went and it was totally fine. And the dermatologist is like, unless it changes, I don't need to see it again. But I had that little thing in the whirling in the back of my mind for a while. Like, I hope he doesn't need to have it cut out. My, you know, poor baby, he's too young to be dealing with that. Like, real life is continuing. And, I mean, uh, people are dealing with much more serious stuff. Like, you know, 
um, loved ones dying, um, not just of COVID, just, you know, that's what happens in real life. And um, death is just so much these days. Um, and I think about, like, how are we going to heal from this? Like, I recognize that this is a traumatic experience, but I don't know what the healing is going to look like yet. And when do we heal? Like, can the healing even start right now when we're in the midst of the traumatic experience? Is it sort of like, can there be an ongoing healing? Like, we try to heal knowing we're going to break again, you know, like we heal ourselves, so we keep going and knowing like I'm going to like, something's going to break me again. Something's going to like be too much. Something's going to break my heart again and again and again. And then we just keep healing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answers are. It's, um, I mean, I do think about the sequoias, which are those, you know, big, amazing trees and they need fire to release the seeds from their cones and have new growth. And, you know, this is, this whole experience is sort of like a long burning, but my God, it's been going on five months. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just so extreme and I, I feel so raw and transparent and fragile and tender. And yeah, I do also, I'm overall doing actually pretty well. And I feel grateful and joyful and filled with grace. But there's anger too and frustration. And then there's so much like, you know, aching love for my kids and for, you know, the people I care about. But it's just this whole mix, you know, mix. It's not either or. It's and, you know, and. Like all of these messy feelings that conflicting. And it's just a very like tumultuous, crazy time. So this wasn't like one of those episodes where I get in and I say, this is how we solve this problem. I think it's um, actually helpful to sometimes just pay attention to like, these are what I, these are these like feelings. And this is just to acknowledge the complexity and difficulty of this challenge that we're all facing. And to, you know, sometimes I, I do like to be optimistic and have like a really good mindset. But sometimes you just got to, like, be like, shit, this is, thanks 2020, this is, like, good job at being, like, different. Like, 2020 wanted to make a splash, and holy shit, it's, like, made the mother of all splashes. Like, we're all gonna, I'm never gonna be like, when was the pandemic? What year was that? Like, no, it was 2020. We all know what happened in 2020. And, like, it's just, you know, <sighs> ready for 2021. Ready for the pandemic to end. Um, I didn't expect this adventure to happen in my 40s, but I guess this is just, it, it, you know, it's one of those experiences that we'll, we'll, we'll grow from, but man, it's just like, it's a huge shit, shit sandwich and we all got to take a bite. All right. I'm going to wrap this up because I've been interrupted by each kid now and, you know, I don't want to tempt the fates any longer. Um, I hope you are all, um, just taking care of yourselves during the pandemic because we just all need so much love and grace and compassion for ourselves because truly what we're doing, this just sucks. There's just no way around it. It just sucks. It's a shit, it's a shit sandwich and it will end, but it just, it just sucks while we're in the midst of it. Thank you. Um, I'll see you guys next week. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.